You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. Forty-seven-year-old Peter Wilkinson and his wife, fifty-year-old Tracy, lived in Stourbridge in the English county of the West Midlands. The pair shared two children: a daughter Lydia, who was studying biology at Bristol University, and a son Pius, who was thirteen years old. Even though she was away at university, the pair spoke most days, and they shared a very special bond. Tracy Wilkinson was a generous and compassionate woman. A former British Latin American ballroom dancing champion, she volunteered to work with the elderly and could talk to anybody and make them feel at ease. If she saw a homeless person on the street, she would often go home and get them food, refusing to turn the other way when she saw someone in need. She was a stay-at-home mother, and her husband Peter worked as a businessman. Lydia describes her little brother as handsome, funny, and clever, saying he was very personable and everybody made friends with him. He could make friends in an empty room, she said. Pierce and Tracy were passionate about films and loved nothing more than watching them together, especially the Carry On films. The family were huge dog lovers and adopted a greyhound called Mandy from a local trust. In March 2016, Tracy went to the supermarket to do her weekly shop. As she was coming out, she noticed a 23-year-old man called Aaron Barley. Sleeping in a cardboard box outside, seeing him struggling and cold moved her greatly, and in that moment she knew she wanted to help him. She decided to take him back to their house on Greyhound Lane, and he had dinner with them. Tracy was keen to get him back on his feet, and would offer him support in any way she could. She drove him to the council offices, and with their help, he was able to find new accommodation in a hostel. Every day, Tracy would make sure he had breakfast and dinner. Also ensuring he had a hot meal every day. This stability and support was something he hadn't experienced much of, as Aaron Barley's life had been troubled and chaotic from the get-go. He had been born in 1993 out of an incestuous relationship between an uncle and niece who shared a 19-year age gap. His mother worked in a factory, and his father was a publican. His family was both disjointed and large. By the age of six, he had been orphaned. His father had succumbed to cancer when he was just four, and two years later, his mother suffered a fatal heart attack. He would spend his childhood in care, various foster homes, and with different family members. He had suffered physical and sexual abuse too. When he was 13 years old, he was at the centre of a missing persons investigation, and his image was circulated after he went missing with two other boys in Bromsgrove. He was later found and returned to the care system. As he aged out of the system, he began sleeping on the street. He abused various substances and struggled with an alcohol addiction too. But now it looked like his life was finally starting to turn around. He appeared grateful for the help and support he had been given, and the Wilkinsons were determined to get him back on his feet. One night, whilst having dinner with the family, Aaron said to them, "I just need somebody to give me a chance." I need somebody to give me a lucky break. Tracy had battled an alcohol addiction and volunteered at the rehab centre that had helped her. She knew all too well just how debilitating addiction could be, and she wanted to do everything she could to help him. 
Peter decided to give him a job as a labourer in one of his businesses in Newport. For the next five months, it seemed to be working out well. Aaron had a stable income, a roof over his head, and a family that really cared for him. But it would soon fall apart. In September, Aaron said that he had relapsed and was taking drugs again, as his mother had recently died, something that was not true. As he was no longer sober and hadn't been turning up to work, and had also been showing aggressive behaviour towards managers, Peter decided to let him go from his job. It ended amicably, and the family lost contact with him. But, just a couple of months later, Peter found him sleeping in the family's driveway. He was covered in bruises, and it appeared he had been assaulted. The Wilkinsons decided to help him once more. They found him accommodation, and he earned money by doing odd jobs for them. He spent Christmas Day with the family, and gave Tracy a card, addressing it to, The Mother I Never Had. When the new year rolled around, he had a new flat in Briarley Hill, and was in full-time employment. He would visit the Wilkinsons a couple of times a week for dinner, and things appeared to be on the up for him. However, his job as a furniture polisher would soon end as he was fired, and he would later lose his accommodation too. The Wilkinson family let him stay in their house on Greyhound Lane for two weeks until he found somewhere new to live. On the 26th of March, Lydia came back from university and hid in the family's Land Rover to surprise her mother for Mother's Day. When Tracy opened the boot and Lydia jumped out, they both cried, so happy to be reunited with one another. Lydia wasn't back for long, and within a few days she had gone back to Bristol. Just four days after surprising her mother, her world would come crashing down. Thursday, the 30th of March, 2017. At around 10am... Lydia received a call from her boyfriend, saying there had been an incident in Stourbridge. When she googled it, she saw photos of her house taped off and emergency services all over Greyhound Lane. She called the police to find out what was happening, and what they told her was horrifying. At 7am that morning... Peter had taken their greyhound Mandy for a walk, just like he always did, and left his wife and son at home. He asked Pierce if he'd wanted to go with him, but Pierce decided not to go, and told his dad he would go the following day. When he came back from the walk, Peter thought his wife and son had slept in, as there wasn't a cup of tea on the kitchen counter for him, like there always was for when he returned home. As he opened the back door, a man in a balaclava lunged at him from behind a wall in the kitchen holding a knife over his head. Peter was stabbed six times. Twice in the back, twice in the abdomen, and twice in the face. The man said, Die, you bastard, as he stabbed him. Despite him trying to disguise his identity, Peter knew instantly who it was. Peter said to him, Aaron, we tried to help you. Aaron Barley repeated, Die, you bastard, and stabbed him in the stomach. He then stole the Land Rover from the front driveway and drove off. Peter called 999 before staggering out into the garden, where he collapsed onto a chair. Emergency services rushed to the scene, and a paramedic and rapid response vehicle arrived within seven minutes of the call. 
Two ambulances were also dispatched alongside two air ambulance helicopters, with critical care doctors and paramedics en route to assist too. When the paramedics arrived, Peter asked them to go and check on his wife and son. When the paramedic came out, Peter heard him say, One dead, one in cardiac arrest. Peter was taken to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham to be treated for his life-threatening injuries. As more emergency services arrived, they were confronted with a dreadful scene inside. Tracy had been stabbed at least 17 times and was found naked on her bedroom floor after being stabbed through her duvet as she lay in bed. She was pronounced dead at the scene. Her son Pierce had at least eight stab wounds, one of which was so severe it had nearly divided his spinal cord. He was found on his stomach struggling to breathe after he had tried to crawl along the floor. He was taken to Birmingham Children's Hospital, where medical staff tried tirelessly to save him. Tragically, he later succumbed to his injuries and died. Within the course of just a few minutes, Peter had lost his wife and son, and Lydia had lost her mother and little brother. After stealing the car, Barley was captured on dash cams, both inside the stolen vehicle and from other road users driving the Land Rover away from police. but before long he crashed. After a brief chase, Aaron Barley was taken into custody. A knife wrapped in a wet shirt was found in the car. For Lydia, who was in Bristol, the nightmare that was unfolding was impossible to comprehend. She had been due to come back home the following day to choose a dress for her university ball. She had promised Pierce she would be there at the school gates to meet him. As she was driven to Birmingham to be with her father, she said she began thinking that she would have to plan a triple funeral on her own. When she arrived at the hospital, she was taken to the critical care ward where her father was being treated. Doctors surrounded his bed and he was hooked up to various machines before going into surgery to try and save his life. West Midlands Police and the West Midlands Ambulance Service gave a statement to the press. Afternoon. What has unfolded here this morning is truly horrific and heartbreaking. Police and ambulance were called to an address in Greyhound Lane, Norton, just after 8am this morning. Officers and paramedics were confronted with an awful scene. A man, a woman and a 13-year-old boy were found all with very serious stab injuries. They have been to believe to have been inflicted by a man known to the family but not a family relative. Tragically, there was nothing that could be done to save the woman. She was pronounced dead at the scene. The boy was taken to hospital 
but sadly nothing could be done to save him and he later died at the hospital. The man is in critical but stable condition. The victims are all from the same family, a mum, a dad and a son. The family car was stolen and our officers intercepted that car at around 8.30am in Norton Road, Stowbridge. Despite being rammed by the vehicle, they managed to get the driver and detain him and arrest him on suspicion of murder. We have specialist teams and officers working with the family at this tragic time. Thank you. Um, so from West Midlands Ambulance Service perspective, uh, we received a call just after 8 o'clock this morning to what we believed was a potentially very serious uh, assault at an address in Greyhound Lane, Stourbridge. Unfortunately, a female at the premises uh, we were unable to save, and as my colleague has alluded to, she was sadly pronounced dead at the scene. A child uh, with very serious injuries was in cardiac arrest at the scene. He was treated uh, very quickly uh, and given life-saving treatment before being taken to Birmingham Children's Hospital. Sadly, despite the best efforts of our staff on scene and those within the hospital, the child has subsequently died. Clearly, this is a very difficult time uh, for the family uh, and like all of us, we'd like to extend our condolences to those involved. As her father was fighting for his life, Lydia was faced with the horrific task of identifying the bodies of her younger brother and mother. She said, I went in and I just stayed with my mum and brother for a while and said that I was sorry I couldn't protect them and I stroked their hair. I stayed there because I knew that was going to be the last time I saw them in my life. From that point on, it was a case of I lived every day for dad. She stayed by Peter's bedside, holding his hand, hoping he would regain consciousness. And eventually, he did. Peter would ultimately survive and was in hospital for 11 days, six of which were in intensive care. He was then told the news that his beloved wife and son had died. The community of Stourbridge was in total shock. Flowers were laid at the house in tribute, with many people coming to pay their respects and try and come to terms with what had happened. Lydia showed enormous bravery and strength by going back to the house to lay flowers for her little brother and mother. Pierce's school also paid tribute to him. Uh, Pierce was a loyal, caring and conscientious pupil and he'd be sadly missed by every member of our school community. He always met everyone with a smile and was a kind and thoughtful young man. He was passionate about his football team, West Bromwich Albion, and devoted to his pet greyhound dog. He was a loving son and brother, and our thoughts and prayers are with his family and friends at this time, especially his father Peter and his sister Lydia. Pupils are in school today, and we have people here who can offer professional help and support. We would also just like to thank everyone who's contacted the school and offered their support and their condolences. Thank you. The police were now trying to piece together exactly what had happened, and when watching the CCTV footage from the family home, the horrifying truth came to light. It showed Aaron Barley climbing over the garden fence the night before. He hid in the garden shed throughout the night after he had failed to break into the house. 
As morning broke, he waited for Peter to leave. CCTV then showed him crawling across the garden, being careful to not be seen. He then entered the home, which was unlocked, and pulled a balaclava over his face to conceal his identity. He took two knives from the kitchen, and after going upstairs, he stabbed Tracy in her bed and Pierce in his bedroom in a frenzied, violent and ferocious attack. He then lay in wait for Peter to come back. Aaron Barley's lack of remorse was shocking. He would later say to a police officer, I've stabbed three people up. I ain't bothered about taking one of you with me. When it was unclear as to whether or not Peter was going to survive, he told a prison nurse who had asked him about being homeless. What? Two murders and possibly a third. I don't think I'll need any help with that. He also told a police officer, I chopped them up. I don't need a solicitor. He refused to have a toxicology test done to determine if he was under the influence of any substances. He refused to give any reason for his crime and his motive remains unknown. He bragged in custody about killing the mother and son, saying he was glad they were dead. The only regret he showed was that he hadn't succeeded in murdering Peter. Uh, Detective Superintendent Thomas Chisholm uh, said this. That's the frustrating part. It's clearly a a really shocking offence. Barley wouldn't enlighten us or help us really with our inquiries at the time. We have painted a picture of the, you know, what actually happened on that day, but as I say it's one of those things that we, we still don't truly understand why, why he would have committed this offence. Less than one week before the murders, the Wilkinsons had cancelled a phone contract they had paid for for Barley, as he had failed to contact them for three weeks. Tracy also told friends that she had seen him looking over the fence at her home and that she didn't want anything else to do with him. Aaron Barley had a long history of violence and antisocial behaviour. When he was 11 years old, he was removed from a foster home in Worcester, following violent attacks on other children in the home. As he grew up, he continued to show increasing violence, with a former resident of the care home he lived in saying he was deeply troubled. He would often get into fights, and even stole a member of staff's car. He also wrote a hit list of people he wanted to kill. He had a string of 21 previous convictions, the first of which he got when he was just 12 years old, for grievous bodily harm. Other offences included assaulting a police officer, drugs charges, possession of a firearm, and assaulting a former partner with a piece of wood. He had hit her 50 times with it, before breaking it in half and trying to stab her with it. For this offence, he was sentenced to three years in prison at the age of 18. He attended a school for children with social, emotional or behavioural needs, and those who knew him described him as cocky, saying he often said disgusting and misogynistic things about people's female friends and relatives. Nobody socialised with him. He had also been reported to the police, after his previous foster carer had read several posts on Facebook that had caused great concern. He had threatened his family who he said hadn't spoken to him in years, and messages also said, got to try and get some help before I go on a killing spree. Those who had volunteered at the rehabilitation centre stated that Barley had said he wanted to kill someone using a knife. They also reported that he said he had two aims in life, 
one being to kill a prison officer and the other to kill a police officer. However, his comments were not taken seriously with the belief they were caused by his drug abuse. In February 2017, just a month before he committed the murders, he had met with a project worker for additional support. She made the assessment that he was seeking control, being manipulative and playing mind games. And in a text message, he referred to himself as a predator, saying, Stay a predator, change the prey. On Wednesday the 7th of June 2017, Pearson Tracy's funeral service was held at St Mary's Church. Pearson Tracy shared a coffin, with Pierce's godfather saying in his eulogy, Some of you may be surprised to see just the one coffin, but they are together, inseparable, as they always were in life. Lydia said her brother and mother were as close as a mother and son could be, and shared a true bond of love that could never be broken. Mandy, the family's dog, and other dogs from a rescue centre, formed a guard of honour as the coffin was taken into the church. The Kidderminster male voice choir began the service by singing Can't Help Falling in Love and ended with Pierce's favourite song, Hooked on a Feeling. Once again, the courage and bravery of the Wilkinson family was incredible. On the first day of his trial at Birmingham Crown Court, he pled guilty to two counts of murder and one count of attempted murder. As his former charges were read out to the court, Barley rocked from side to side in the dock before shouting, I've done what I've done, there's no need to stand here and lie. Psychiatric tests were carried out and it was determined that nothing could provide a defence on the grounds of diminished responsibility. Karim Khalil for the prosecution said that Barley was a compulsive liar and manipulator. One of his former foster carers described him as a Jekyll and Hyde character, saying on the one hand he could be sensitive and caring, and on the other hand violent and threatening. A former care home resident said of him, Apart from the anger, he wasn't an emotional person. We never saw him crying. He didn't like being touched. It's as though he didn't feel anything. He was the type of kid who, if he saw something upsetting happen to someone, he wouldn't get upset or cry. He would just stand and watch. It was like he was in his body, but detached from it. His defence lawyer, Jonas Hankin, said that Barley's chaotic childhood had seen him be pushed from pillar to post and around various different foster homes. He said that Barley was suffering from borderline personality disorder and he had perceived the family had turned their back on him before adding there was no evidence to actually substantiate this and that the Wilkinsons had shown extraordinary kindness towards him. The presiding judge, Mrs Justice Carr, said that what Barley had done was a vicious and unprovoked attack on those who had demonstrated extraordinary kindness and generosity. Lydia Wilkinson addressed the court with a victim impact statement. My parents helped you. You repaid them with destruction and heartache. You have obliterated my life. Murdered half my family. Very nearly all of it. I am a shell of my former self. Sometimes I wake up and don't want to be here. What did they do to deserve this? She added that she would never forgive Barley for what he had done. He appeared to cry as she spoke and mouthed the words, I'm sorry. The judge praised Lydia for her courage and bravery, saying she had demonstrated a maturity well beyond her years. She emphasised the impact that this had had on Lydia, saying, 
She has anxiety attacks and cannot be left alone. Peter also spoke to the court. There's no motive, there is no explanation. He decided that because his life was going bad ways, he was going to take it out on people that had cared and looked after him. I wish we had never met him. I wish my wife had never set eyes on him. Tracy found him in a cardboard box outside Tesco's one day. Uh, picked him up, said, get in my car and you're not going to sleep here anymore. As a family, we helped him. And that is why the crime is so much more unbelievable, because all we ever did was help him. 24-year-old Aaron Barley was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum term of 30 years. The judge had decided against giving him a whole life order, mainly due to how old he was. She told him, though, he may never be released, and he sat emotionless and didn't react. You clearly represent a very significant risk of serious harm to members of the public, she said. The Solicitor General Robert Buckland appealed for the sentence to be reviewed for being unduly lenient. Lord Justice Holroyd said that the original trial judge, Mrs Justice Carr, was entitled to conclude that a whole life order was not to be handed down. He did add that the only mitigating factors were his admission and his psychiatric problems, but that also his mental health issues had not stopped him from planning and committing the crime. Three judges ruled that due to the most exceptional grave case, his minimum term needed to be increased, and it was increased to 35 years. Aaron Barley will only become eligible for parole once he has served his minimum term, and also is able to prove that he is no longer a danger. Only time will tell if he is ever fit to be released. Lydia said, My mum and dad did an amazing thing and I would never discourage anyone from helping others in a similar way, but I would always encourage people to go through the charities and organisations specifically set up for that type of thing. These charities know the system and they have the correct vetting processes in place. There are a lot of people out there who are in some unfortunate situations and need help and it is an amazing thing to be able to help them. In October, teachers from Pierce's school announced that they were going to run a marathon in his memory. They were going to raise money for the Greyhound Trust, Pierce's favourite charity, which helps to find new homes for greyhounds across the country. His teachers' efforts raised an amazing £3,550. The school was also working with Lydia to commission a commemorative sculpture, working with a local artist. Peter and Lydia moved back to the home on Greyhound Lane, with Peter saying, it's our home. After taking so much from us, we couldn't possibly have it that he would take anything else. We love the house. It is very much a family home that we had built and renovated ourselves, and we like being there. They had also received much support from their local priest, who was there to bless every room in the home when they moved back in. The house would later be put up for sale in February 2018. Lydia also went back to university to carry on with her studies. She said, We are determined to not let this take away any more of our life. I'd like to be a researcher to do medical research, to continue the help and support that my mum would give to people. By researching things like cancer and Parkinson's disease, I hope to give back to people and continue her legacy. Lydia said that she does not feel hatred for Aaron Barley and that it was more important to her to channel her energy into building something positive from what had happened. 
she was able to raise £13,000 for Birmingham Children's Hospital, the hospital that had tried so hard to save her little brother. The loss of Tracy and Pierce is immeasurable, and for those who knew and loved them, the pain is incalculable. Tracy was a generous and compassionate woman who refused to turn away from anyone who needed her help. She and Peter together raised two incredibly kind and thoughtful children who always considered others and wanted to support those in need. Although the void left by their deaths will never be filled, the lasting legacy Pierce and Tracy have created, be it through the children who will be looked after by Birmingham Children's Hospital or the greyhounds who will be cared for and find a new home, will live on for many years to come. <laughs>